next song and just thank God for being God Father we come to you this morning early in the morning to begin a new week and Father let this be a new week in you cover all our past sins and wickedness for the past and help us to come to you brand new every day every moment walking in you not looking back. Thank you for hearing us. Thank you for loving us. And thank you for saving us. Thank you for loving me. 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 Thank you for finding me. Thank you for finding me. Thank you for Thank you for finding me. Thank you for hearing me. Thank you for hearing me. Thank you for hearing me.
Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for really struggled this week with what to sing today. Usually it comes right to me and I know exactly what I want to do and I couldn't figure it out. And um, I'm teaching the Sunday school lesson this morning. I'm the backup teacher at times. And our song, to, our, our lesson today is on trouble's going to come into your life. At some point or another, trouble's going to come. And the way you react to that re- trouble really is a reflection on your relationship with God. And it's scary to think you don't want trouble to come into your life, but it's a guarantee that it's going to happen. And so I thought of this old Rich Mullins song. It's from back in 1989. And Rich Mullins, he puts the words out plain and simple. He doesn't play around. And this song is called, It's Bound to Come Some Trouble. some trouble to your life that ain't nothing to be afraid of it's bound to come some trouble to your life that ain't no reason to fear no there's bound to come some trouble to your life reach out to Jesus Hold on tight He's been there before And he knows what it's like 
find he's there It's bound to come some tears up in your eyes That ain't nothing to be ashamed of It's bound to come some tears up in your eyes That ain't no reason to fear I know there's bound to come some tears up in your eyes Reach out to Jesus, hold on tight He's been there before and he knows what it's like Find he's there Now people say maybe things will get better and people say maybe it won't be long And people say maybe you'll wake up tomorrow It'll all be gone Well, I only know that maybe it's just ain't enough When you need something to hold on There's only one thing that's clear There's bound to come some trouble to your life That ain't nothing to be afraid of I know there's bound to come some tears up in your eyes There ain't no reason to fear I know there's bound to come some trouble to your life Reach out to Jesus, hold on tight He's been there before and He knows what it's like Find He's there How are you this morning? Great. It's good to be in God's house to worship Him. This last Sunday of the month of August. We've been in a series on theology, and we've talked about God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We've talked about how He reveals Himself to us. We talked about the creation. And this morning I want to talk about a less popular topic called sin. I want you to look around and see who's not here today to avoid this topic. Uh, and make note of that, and might want to say something to him about it this coming week. Um, the sermon is, is when we talk about sin, and the end of that sentence is, let's be honest. Let's just let's, let's lay it out there and see what God has to say. I'm reading from Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26, which is a great passage about how God sent Jesus to pay the penalty for our sins. Romans 3.21 says this, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from law, 
Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. Since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, they are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as an expiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, He had passed over former sins. It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies him who has faith in Jesus. He justifies him who has faith in Jesus. Let's pray. God, we are here to acknowledge that we are all sinners because the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we are among those. We are chief of those. And we need grace, we need forgiveness, we need Jesus to be the expiation, the penalty for our sins. We thank you that on the cross 2,000 years ago, he did just that. And by faith, we can appropriate that into our lives. So help us take an honest look at ourselves today and acknowledge our need and receive Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Have you ever done something and then said something like, wait a minute, that's not me? Have you ever said something that you regretted and said, where, where did that come from? I don't know why I said that, because that's not who I am. Do you ever do anything like that? It's like there's a conflict going on within you between good and evil between doing those things that you know are right and good and positive and those things that are evil and ugly and mean-spirited. And that war is just waging within you. You aren't the only one to feel like that. The Apostle Paul felt something similar. And there's a great passage at the end of Romans chapter 7. And I'm going to read it from the Phillips translation because it, it kind of puts it in modern language. This is the struggle as Paul describes it. He says, my own behavior baffles me. I often find that I have the will to do good, but not the power. That is, I don't accomplish the good that I set out to do and the evil I don't really want to do. I find that I'm always doing. In my mind, I'm God's willing servant, but in my own nature, I am bound fast to the law of sin and death. It is an agonizing situation, is what Paul says in Romans 7. So there's a conflict going on within us between good and evil, between between what's positive, what is is God's will, and what is against his will. Where does does this conflict come from? Well, it goes all the way back to Genesis, back to the very beginning. Let me read Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. What this passage says is that God created us in his image. That means a lot of things, but one thing I really want to point out this morning that it means is that, is that we had a great beginning being created in God's image, 
But we also have a responsibility. We have the freedom to make choices. We have the opportunity to make choices. And that's part of being created in God's image. In, in the beginning, Adam and Eve created in God's image, made in the image of God. And he told them to do one, not to, to do one thing. He said, don't eat of the tree of knowledge. And, and what did they do? They went and ate that fruit. Now, why did, why did God do that? Why did he put a tree and tell them not to eat? Why didn't he build a wall around the tree? Why didn't he build a wall around all the things that we are not supposed to do to make it easier for us? Because being made in the image of God means that we have the freedom to make choices. We have the freedom to choose to do right. We have the freedom to choose to do wrong. And, and those choices you see recurring all the way through the Bible. Joshua 24, 15, the children of Israel have conquered the promised land and they're getting ready to march in and occupy it. And Joshua calls them all together on the outskirts and he says, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So they're choosing. At the end of the Bible, Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, what that unforgettable picture of Jesus knocking at the door. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open that door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. So there are choices all the way through the Bible that we have to make. We have the choice to do right. We have the choice to do wrong. And, and don't think that, uh, that you, you're being punished for something that Adam and Eve did. I heard someone ask me that one time. Why am I being punished for Adam and Eve's sin? Let me assure you, you are not. <laughs> You're being punished for your sin. What Adam and Eve did was simply place in all of us the, the tendency, the, the propensity, the bent toward sinning. But you and I are free to choose not to sin or to sin every time. I heard a story about a track star, and what was phenomenal to me about the story was not that she was fast. The unusual thing about this girl as a track star was that she was blind. Now, how do you run track if you're blind? Well, what she had, the story explained, is a little radio transmitter in her ear. And her coach is in the stands, and he's telling her where to go, where there's a curve coming up, when there's someone passing her on the outside, when there's someone in front of her. And, and she, she marks her steps by listening to the coach's instructions. And it occurred to me that you and I are a lot like that because we don't know what lies around the bend a lot of times. But as long as we are listening to our coach, as long as we're listening to God, he will help us avoid the obstacles that are laid out in front of us. And we'll be just fine. So I want you to see how as, as being created in God's image, we began on a good note. I mean, God put us here in this beautiful garden to enjoy. And it, it occurred to me this week, if you've ever, if you ever brought a baby home from the hospital and you know how you fixed up the nursery and you painted it and you got all the toys in the crib and, and, and everything ready and put everything out for the baby when it arrived home, that's exactly what God did for us here on earth. He loved us so much and he was going to provide a place for us and everything to enjoy. And he had everything just right when he created us and placed us here. 
He has done that for us. He has not abandoned us. He wants a relationship with us. But we have the freedom to choose because we're made in His image. We have the freedom to choose to be in a relationship with Him or we are free to choose to reject Him. And let's be honest. With the freedom He's given us, we have made a mess of things. And it's called sin. And in your worship bulletin, there's an outline, and that brings up the second point. What did we do with this perfect creation He gave us? We gave it an imperfect reception. Because you see, the problem is sin. Romans 3.23, we read, says, For all have sinned and fall short or come short of the glory of God. The Greek word for sin is hamartia. It's written there in uh, your bulletin, hamartia. It means to miss the mark. And the image is of an archer who has a bow and arrow, and there's a tiny bullseye a long way away. And occasionally he hits the bullseye, but more often than not, he misses. And anytime he misses the bullseye, it's hamartia. It's a sin. And that's the way it is for us. And let me say, it doesn't matter if you miss that bullseye by just a little bit, like a white lie. Or if you miss the target completely, like murder. It's still hamartia. It's still sin. And sin is sin in God's eyes. He doesn't grade it. There's not lesser sins and greater sins. It's all against his will and it's all evil in his sight. And it's not just a few who do it. It's not just the really bad people. The Bible says it's everybody and it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what church you go to. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Everybody has sinned. And we sin often. Sometimes when I'm talking to children about joining the church, I'll ask them about sin because I want to make sure they understand that concept. It's kind of an abstract concept and and children are still thinking concretely at times. And, and I ask them, do they sin? I say, well, how often do you sin? And this is where they freeze because their parents are usually sitting right there beside them. And they don't want to confess anything they haven't been punished for yet. So, you know, they say, uh, once a week? Maybe. You know, <laughs> once, a, once a day? Once an hour? You know, friends, we sin a lot more frequently than we realize. And I try to explain to children that even thinking about sin is a sin. Because that's where sin begins. Its root is in the heart. And, and that's where sin comes from. Everybody sins. One day when Catherine was little, we were driving home from a nearby town. And it was kind of on a four-lane highway. And she was really sassy in the back seat. And I said, Catherine, if you do that one more time, I'm going to pull over. And she did. And I did. And it surprised her. She didn't think I'd pull over in traffic and get her out of the car. And, you know, as soon as, as, soon as you pull over, I'm sorry, Daddy. I'm sorry, Daddy. I didn't mean it, Daddy. I, I take her out of the car, and we have what we call an attitude adjustment. We put her back in the car, and she's quiet all the way home. When we get to the house, she wants to talk about it. And she said, Daddy, when you were little, did you ever have an attitude adjustment? I said, yeah. She wanted to know what for and how often. And she said, Daddy, when Mama was little, did she ever have an attitude adjustment? I said, not often enough. (laughs) 
but she wanted to know what for and how often. And I think as soon as she realized that all of us had been disciplined as children, that she wasn't the only one who had ever done anything bad in her life, then that was reassuring to her. And, and you know, children know how widespread sin is. But you and I, as we grow older and more sophisticated, we have more difficulty acknowledging it. Jesus only gave us two rules to follow. He said, love God and love your neighbor. And to the extent that you do anything contrary to either one of those commands, it's a sin. I could use Luke chapter 15 as a as a metaphor for the different kinds of sins in our lives. Luke 15 is is a story of three parables of lost things. There's a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. We call the parable of the prodigal son. In the parable of the lost sheep, it's a story about a a guy who has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray. And I don't think the sheep intended to go astray. He was just nibbling grass that looked a little bit greener over here and the flock was moving over there and he just moved a little bit further and a little bit further and and before you know it, he's lost. It wasn't anything intentional. It was just nibbling things away from the fold a little at a time. He just wandered away. Sometimes that's how our sin is. It's not something that we set out to do. It's not something that was intentional. It's just... We just nibbled a little bit further outside of God's will. Didn't think it hurt anybody. Didn't think anybody would notice. But before you realize it, we're out here lost from the fold. That's the way some sin is. Then there's some sin like the the parable of the lost coin, where the woman has ten coins and she loses one and she turns her house upside down until she finds it and she rejoices. And that's the way some sin is. Sometimes sin happens close to home right where we live, in our own backyard. And, and it happens when children don't honor their parents, when spouses don't love and respect each other, when parents don't live the kind of example that their children need to learn values and morals from. Sometimes sin happens behind closed doors of our home. And then there's some sin that we usually think of that's like the prodigal son who just wandered off into the far country and dissipated himself in riotous living. And that is life at the bottom. That is life that, that almost ceases being human and, and becomes more like animals because it says he's so hungry that he begins to feed on the pods that the pigs refuse to eat. So there he is wallowing in a pig pen right beside them. And that's the kind of sin that happens when when we lose our moral bearing and we become more like animals than human beings created in the image of God. So we, we all started off being created in God's image and somehow or another we've managed to distort that image through our freedom by sin, either wandering away a little at a time or hurting those at home we love the most or in the pig pen wallowing with pigs. We took this great creation and we squandered it by our sin. Now, let me add one thing here because I want to clear up one misunderstanding. I ran into a guy one time who told me that that after he was saved, he never sinned again. And he was another denomination. He was a preacher. 
So that's understandable. But uh, he told me that after being saved, he'd never sinned again. And it kind of I'd never heard that theology before. And the only thing I could think of was, was really? Well, what about the sin of pride? And that ended the conversation. But, uh, you know, folks who believe it's possible to live without sin are deluding themselves. Even after salvation, praise God, the, the, the grace that saved us from our sin continues to save us from sin. Because once saved, we aren't perfect. We're just forgiven. So, we are created in the image of God with freedom. We've allowed sin to come in and distort that image that he impressed upon us. What can be done about it? Praise God, there is a perfect solution. 2 Corinthians 5.21 is a great verse. It says this, For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us. He became our sin so that we might become his righteousness. He took that sin upon himself when he died upon the cross and paid that penalty, became the the expiation, the atoning moment for our sins. And God has brought it back around. It's not something we could do. He created us in his image. We spoiled that image by the freedom of choice through sin. And he has brought us back around by giving a perfect solution of Jesus' death on the cross. And so we have come full circle. That opportunity presents itself. It's out there for you to choose. There's a story from World War II about American paratroopers. Do you remember how they were dropped in France behind enemy lines and and a lot of them um, got lost and and the planes missed their bearings and a lot of paratroopers were dropped in hostile territory? Well, one paratrooper dropped in a rural field in France, and there was only one farmhouse in the distance, and so he made his way there for safety. Well, unfortunately, two Germans saw the parachute, and and they knew where the farmhouse was. And so they went to the farmhouse, and they found the soldier. And uh, before killing him, they decided that they'd kill. There, There was an elderly couple that owned the farmhouse that took the soldier in. And they took the farmer outside and shot him for collaborating with the enemy. And in the confusion, the American soldier escaped the farmhouse. And the Germans went after reinforcements, came back to, to chase him. But after, they, after the, the American soldier had, had left the farmhouse, he circled back around and came back to the farmhouse once more and knocked on the door. And the, the grieving widow let him back in. He said, please let me hide here. He said, I don't think the Germans will come back to search some place that they had already searched. And it was true. They didn't. They were out searching all over the fields and river valleys and, and everything else in the surrounding area, but they never came back to the farmhouse where the soldier was hiding. And that's the way it is a lot of times. What we look for the most, we find it where we least expect to. Who would have thought that God's plan for forgiveness of sins would have happened on a little hill outside of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. And yet, that's what he did. And it's there for everybody who wanders off accidentally like a sheep or who has a broken home or broken relationships like the woman with the coin or who has committed such horrible sins in the far country 
that they think no one can forgive them like the prodigal son. And yet all, all three of those instances come back home. And God's salvation and his grace are great enough for all our sin. God has made provision for our sin by Jesus' death on the cross. And he says to every one of us, you're forgiven. Come home. Shall we pray? Father, we could never deserve being created, being loved, and and having a, a creator who desires a relationship with us. But God, you want us to love you, not because we're robots or because it's automatic, but because of our own free will, we have chosen to do so. And so you placed within us your image, an image that's not complete until we are restored to fellowship with the one whose image we bear. And so we ask you, Lord, to come into our hearts and forgive us and cleanse us for this thing called sin that's missing the mark. And we do it every day and we do it so often, more times than not, without even realizing it. Because our consciences have grown so hard and calloused to them over time. And so we ask you to sensitize us once more to your perfect will for our lives and where we have failed you and neglected you, where we have sinned, Lord, pour out your grace to forgive us. Jesus' death on the cross made that possible, and we acknowledge our need of that today. So we receive him into our hearts and lives. We want you to be the Lord. We want you to have control. We want to follow your commands and be in the center of your will always. And Father, for those of us who are saved, we aren't perfect by a long shot. And we just ask you to continue to forgive us when we confess our sins and help us be restored to a right relationship with you. If there's anyone here this morning that does not know you as Lord and Savior, whose sins are not forgiven, whether they wandered off accidentally, whether something happened at home, or, or whether like the prodigal son, horrible sins in the far country. You're standing there, open arms beckoning, and welcoming all who will to come home. Help us respond this day in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have a a hymn of decision and commitment, and I'll be at the front to receive you while we stand and sing. If God's working in your life, maybe in in the course of this service, or maybe in recent weeks, He's been speaking to you, telling you you need to make some decision with him, either professing your faith or or rededicating your life, or you need to have a church family where you can put some roots down and be held responsible and accountable. Let this be that hour of decision. I'll be at the front. We're going to sing, I'll never be the same again. You come while we stand together.